I got a comment on DM. I deal with so many bedtime meltdowns, outbursts. What do I do? And the first thing that came to mind as a parenting coach was, I need to have a conversation with you because by just me knowing what the behavior is, is not enough to know how to respond to the behavior. Why? Because every behavior communicates a specific need and there are many needs that could be communicated through a bedtime outbursts. On this podcast episode, we are going to go beneath those outbursts, beneath the meltdowns, beneath the defiance, beneath the sibling conflict, beneath the hitting, the kicking, the throwing, all those behaviors that we're looking to correct, we are going to look underneath those behaviors and seeing what the needs are and the responses required. I'm going to give you examples. It might not be every example applicable to your story, but what I want you to take with you is the five needs, the five basic needs from Dr. William Glasser's research. That's been the light, the north for my parenting to be able to provide assertive responses during my children's outbursts or chaos. And this is something that we do with our coaching clients in HIC Parenting Education. We interview them and we get to understand their children's needs beneath those behaviors. And from there, we give them the customized solutions that they need according to those needs. That sounds a little redundant, but yes, it, that's what we do. And I want to show you the story of a beautiful couple. Their name are Jorge and Katie, and this is what they have to say once they work with the coach when unveiling the needs beneath their children's behaviors. So you are done with the Parenting with Understanding coaching program here in HIC Parenting Education. For 14 weeks, you worked with your HIC coach. Could you please share what your before was? Where were you at in your parenting? How were you feeling? Before, before the class, I was feeling frustrated. Uh, I was feeling like I didn't understand a lot of the behaviors that the kids were having, a lot of my emotions that I was having. Um, I thought I knew more about being a parent, which I do, but I think it really, it really honed down and really was specific on helping us realize some specific behaviors that the kids were having because of their age. Um, because of certain things I was doing. And so now, now after the course, I feel more clarity, understanding of why I'm feeling a certain way, each appropriate behaviors. Um, remember to stay calm, breathing, all the things that um, are important as a parent after dealing with kids all day or you know, in situations where you don't understand what's happening. So if you've been thinking, okay, these parenting tips and strategies are good, but I need more tailored, specific solutions for my parenting struggles, I encourage you to apply for parenting coaching. All you have to do is go to apply.hicparenting.com 
or open the description of this podcast episode and the link is there to apply for HIC Parenting Coaching. Okay, so let's go to this episode where we are going to see the needs beneath our children's outbursts. I'm Rachel and I'm Marcela and you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. So as we speak, I'm here live on TikTok and people are coming in with their questions. Usually what they tell me is the child's behaviors. And my first thing as a coach is let's explore the needs because I cannot give you an answer of what to do with the behavior if we don't know what the need is. So there is a mom, her name is Flor Martinez. She's saying that her kids are always asking for candy early in the morning. And she says, no, but that does not work. So let, let's explore those different needs. So according to Dr. William Glasser, he is a recognized psychotherapist and researcher in the area of behaviors and needs. He found that every single behavior and he's not just talking about children, he's talking about humans, is the reflection or the communication of one or more unmet needs. What happens with us adults, you know, well-rounded adults with emotional intelligence? We may have more awareness of what our needs are, therefore we are able to communicate them more assertively. So we may have the insight to say, huh, I'm hungry. I'm going to say I'm hungry instead of demanding candy. I'm going to say, yeah, you know, I'm ready for breakfast instead of demanding candy. So what happens in the when it comes to our children? They don't have the same insight of their needs, so they communicate it through behavior. Um, by the way, a lot of the times, us adults communicate our needs through behavior as well. When we yell, when we lose our temper, when we throw our adult tantrums, that's a way for us of communicating our adult needs. So even for us adults, sometimes it's hard. So what happens? To look beneath those behaviors is imperative and it's important to have connected and assertive responses. Because we keep telling a, ch a hungry child, no, no, you cannot have candy. When they're really communicating the need for hunger, I'm just making an assumption that that's the need. I would need to ask this mother more questions in order to really know what the need is. But I'm assuming is the need for, for feeding their body. It's a physical need. Saying, no, candy not right now. Right now I'm cooking breakfast. That's not going to solve the need because telling them I'm cooking breakfast is not, I mean, for older children in my work, but for younger ones, they don't know concept of time. So 
in their head is they're like, okay, my needs still unmet. I'm going to keep begging for candy and tantruming for candy and melting down for candy. So what's the response there to unveil the need? Again, let's just suppose that the need is hunger. Then it is a matter of letting our children see what their need is and how they can communicate it and meeting the need. Are you hungry? Is that really what you're feeling? Okay, say, mommy, I'm hungry. And right now, candy is not going to make your belly feel happy. If you believe so, I have here another parent saying that I let my children eat candy in the morning. That's If that's your rule, if that it's fine. I'm just talking about the parent who believes that that's not the right approach. And then give them the right approach. If you're hungry and cooking breakfast, can, maybe you can get started with a banana. Maybe you can get started with string cheese. Maybe you can get started with a piece of carrot, something easy that they can easily grab. My children, they have a snack drawer that they don't need me. I mean, now they can go anywhere because they're almost eight years old. They can reach really high on the pantry, but they've been, they've had their snack drawer since very, you know, young. And that will give them the autonomy because it's another need. It might not be just the need for the physical need that I'm hungry, but it could be the need for autonomy, for freedom, for I want to decide when to put food in my belly. And right now I feel out of control because I get to eat when you tell me it's time to eat instead of when my body needs it. So a snack drawer does meet this need and allows this child to feel autonomous and it may prevent the future begging for candy and for please and the no and the struggle and all those things that that parent may be facing at the moment. So let's go into these five basic needs. Five basic need number one, according to Dr. William Glasser's research, is the need for survival. So the need for survival is physical needs, physical needs related to food, to sleep, to feeling safe and protected. It relates to sensory needs as well. Anything related to the body and safety, those are survival needs. So we explored a survival need, the kid that was asking for candy early in the morning and then they had a need for survival, right? It's not that they're going hungry, but they feel hungry and it's that need. So the need for survival is not necessarily that my child is surviving life. No, it's that they have a need related to their body. That's the need for survival. And what are the behaviors that could communicate that need? A lot of the times there are tantrums, there are meltdowns. Physical needs feel really strongly in your body. So usually children are very animate, very emphatic <laughs> and energetic when communicating their need for survival. Their other need is the need for power. The need for power is the ability to feel skillful the ability that you're able to do something, that you can do something. 
So let me give you the example of the child who keeps climbing the pantry to reach for their treats. So they may have an, the need for survival of physical need of feeling full. And as well, they may have the need of, I want to prove myself that I could get that candy that is really high on top. So children who have this need for power, they are, in a sense, they are challenging their own skills. And you see this need very clearly in the toddlerhood years. And you see it throughout your child's childhood. It is more evident in the toddlerhood years because they are truly exploring what their physical strength and what their boundaries are, what their limits are. It's not that they're testing you. It's not that they're testing your limits. They're testing their own limits. They're learning to see how far they could get with their own bodies and minds. And it's so healing for me to know the language of needs, not behaviors, the language of needs. But when, because when, when I see children with needs, when I see those needs through their behaviors, all of a sudden, Automatically, it makes me a more empathetic, patient parent, a more empathetic, patient adult, because I don't see the child who is testing my boundaries, who keeps climbing on the pantry, despite all the times that I told them to get down. I don't see that. I see a child having a need, a need for power, a need to challenge their own skills. What do I do, Marcela? What do I do in this situation? Simple. Instead of disempowering them, empowering them. Let's go back to the example of the snack drawer. This child wants to feel that they have the skill and the power to feed themselves. So what is the more appropriate way other than climbing the tiers of the pantry until they get to their snacks? Maybe they could have their snacks at a more reachable level in a different place or in the same place, but at a more reachable level. What about the child who keeps climbing on the chair because they are testing their own skills to see if they can really do it without falling? Well, this child needs to feel capable. That's their need. It's not about the chair. It's not about you. It's not about that they don't listen to you and they're ignoring you and then there's such strong-willed children, spoiled brats, all those stories that we tell ourselves is that they are exploring their own skills. So the answer is, how can they explore their own skills in a safer way? Climbing the countertops might not be safe. Then the redirection might be, I see that you want to climb. Let's find a place where you can climb. And maybe you can build a pillow fort, or maybe you have a trampoline, or maybe you have a swing, or maybe you should get a swing. If your children are swinging and they're, they're swinging on the counter, on the kitchen counter all the time, maybe that, that's what their bodies are is telling you. Their bodies are telling you, mom, dad, I need a swing. I need to swing. That's my need. I need to swing. It's a sensory need. At the same time, it's a power need. 
If you are a DIY kind of parent, you can make your own swing. If not, in Amazon, there are many and they, they're affordable. Some of them are affordable. My grandpa, he made a swing for me with a piece of rope and, and a little wood. And that's it. I have a swing for many years until I, I didn't want to play with it anymore. Many, many years. It, felt, it helped me feel powerful and skillful, that swing. And that actually allowed my grandpa to correct the behavior that I had of constantly trying to climb his orange trees. He, he was struggling with me in that regard. I kept climbing the orange tree and he kept telling me to get down and until he had the great idea to see beneath my behavior, understand that I had the need for power to feel skillful. And he built a swing that just for your information, even my children, my twins have used that swing. It's still around. Okay. So we already talked about the need for survival. We talked about the need for power. The other need that research talks about, it's the need for belonging. So the need for belonging is feeling connected, feeling loved, feeling that I belong, that I'm accepted, that I'm part of, that I have a role and a place in the family, in the community, in the classroom. So what happens? It, our children have that need every day. It doesn't matter how much you feel their love bucket, their love bucket has holes in it. <laughs> it has many holes. And for some children, those holes are really, really big. For my children in foster care, the love bucket holes were humongous because they were trying to make up for the all the years that they didn't feel loved. And for some other children that those holes are really, really small, really, really small, but this creates problems as well because they hold on to their feelings. They hold on to their, their stuff and they don't release it. They don't tell us, they don't look for us. They, they're in a way they're poisoning their, their own soul with their emotions. They hold it in. Maybe it's trust. They don't trust us yet. Maybe, I don't know, it could be many different things. The case of my children in foster care, some of them had really small holes, especially the ones who came to my care as teenagers. So what are the behaviors? If a child has really a love bucket with really tiny holes, that child is holding things in, is not letting you in, is not being open, then this child is going to hold in, hold in, hold in, and all of a sudden, without an apparent reason, they're going to explode in a big outburst. And that's when parents come to us, HIC parenting coaches, and tell us, my child has the biggest outbursts with no reason, nothing really happened to them. When in reality, many things have been happening to them, their low bucket is just has very tiny holes all over and they've been holding on to those emotions instead of communicating them with you and you being aware of them and processing those emotions with them. 
So what we do in coaching is that we allow the parent to see what's causing the child from having really small holes in their love bucket and how to build that trust with the child so they feel safe to open up a little bit more their love bucket holes so they're able to release their emotions in safety and with their caregivers instead of holding in, holding it until there is a big outburst. So why does this happen? It usually happens when they have not felt safe having uncomfortable feelings in front of parents. So if they are having, if sometime they had an experience having an uncomfortable feeling in front of a parent and then the parent may have minimized, that's not a big deal, come on, get up. Or they might have blamed them. If you would have done what I told you, you, you would have not fallen. That's why you're hurt right now. And now they don't feel trust to express emotions with that parent and they start closing down their love bucket holes. So in coaching, we allow these parents to help their children open up those gateways of emotional exchange so they don't hold on to their feelings all the time. Okay, and then the opposite of this need is the child who has really big love bucket holes and they're all the time demanding, demanding, seeking, not seeking attention, seeking connection. Because attention is not a need. Attention is the mechanism that humans use to meet the needs they cannot meet for themselves. If I have a need that I cannot meet for myself, I seek the attention of the person who can meet my need. So attention itself is not a need. It's not a misbehavior either. Attention itself is a mechanism. So what do children seek to have? They seek to have connection. And they seek to have connection through that mechanism called the attention. Look at me, eyes on me, eyes on me. And if eyes are not on me, I'm going to act out because negative attention is better than no attention at all. If you have a child with really big low bucket holes, I understand how tiring it can be. It could be exhausting. <laughs> and I want to acknowledge you for all the hard work that you're doing with this child. So one way that this child could benefit from oh, having that constant reassuring seeking is for us to be aware of the times that they're not acting out and for us to acknowledge them through during those times so they don't end up feeling that the only way that we would acknowledge them is if they act out. Marcela, I play with them and I, I, I share beautiful activities with them and we cuddle on the couch and this, the, his bucket holes are still very big. Some children naturally have really big bucket holes. So your child might naturally have that. One way is to for them to see other ways that he could get that need met that is not all the time through you. It could be through a pet. It could be through, I don't know, their sibling. 
siblings are usually unpredictable, so I don't recommend that unless they're older siblings. But if they're the same age siblings or younger, no, that don't don't give that option. But a pet, a favorite thing to do, a grandparent, something else, so you're not all the time meeting that need for connection, it's exhausting. I, one of my twins, he has big holes in his love bucket. And then I showed him how he could get that need for connection met petting our cat. And every day he comes from school and he pets our cat literally for 30 minutes. And then he's good. He's good to play the rest of the day. He will come to me and seek for my connection, but it's not as intense after school, especially after school. It has not been as intense. Okay. So let's keep moving. We talked about the need for survival. We talked about the need for power. We talked about the need for belonging. The next need is the need for freedom. So the need for freedom is usually misunderstood because people confuse it with the need for power. The need for power is feeling skillful, feeling that I'm able to do something. And the need for freedom is feeling that I have a range of freedom, that I can move freely, that I have a choice, autonomy, a say, that I can make decisions. So it's similar, but it's not, it's not the same. So what happens? When our limits, our boundaries, do not provide a range of freedom, our children's need for freedom wears thin, and they start seeking that freedom through rebellion, through defiance, through tantrums, through telling us no for everything. So if your child tells you no all the time, my first and foremost advice to you is to see if you're telling your child no as much as they're telling you no, or even more than they're telling you no. Because usually when I look into parents' experiences during coaching sessions who say that my child is so defiant, my child has this big need for freedom, what I usually see is parents who are trying hard to control their children, to not provide that range of freedom. So let me give you an example of both cases so you're clear about what I'm trying to say. One thing is to say, do not write on the walls. That's not okay. When you see your child writing on the walls, what's the range of freedom? Nothing. Another thing is to say, okay, we don't write on the walls. Where can we write? I, I, we write on paper. Okay. Besides paper, where else can we write? We can write on uh, the garbage, the, the recycled garbage. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Where else can we write? Mm, maybe we can write on our chalkboard or maybe on the sidewalk on the chalk if that's good for you. Where else? If your children are able to give you the choices, you don't give them the choices. That's why so many parents struggle with giving choices to their children and struggling for their children to accept the choices. 
If your children are old enough to choose their choices, don't give them the choices. You can guide the choice. If the choice is not okay with you, if they say, hmm, I, I can write on the floor. And if that's not okay with you, guide the choice. Well, on, the, on my office floor, no. Maybe on the patio floor, on the sidewalk floor, maybe on the park floor. We can do so. So that's the need for freedom. Let's move on to the needs. So there is a mom or a parent here. Her name is Vanessa. She's saying that, what can I do if I feel so overstimulated and my child's way of soothing is by pinching and by just neediness, especially the pinching thing. So pinching doesn't sound like a good experience to me. I would not like to be pinched. So I would set a boundary when it comes to that and still tell him how he can meet that need. So maybe pinching itself is not what he needs. He has this a sensory seeking need and he needs to do something with his hands. He needs to put his hands in something, something that he can manipulate. Not your skin. What can he manipulate? Maybe Play-Doh? Maybe something else that he can manipulate? Fidget toys? That's how we meet our children's needs. Let's just move on to the needs. We have the need for survival, the need for power, the need for freedom, the need for belonging. And then let's go to the last need, and is the need for fun. Let's suppose that I'm working with Vanessa as a coaching client and we unveil that her child's need is fun. Beneath pinching her, that's what he really needs. He needs to engage in a fun way with her. It could be true, it cannot be true. I'm just supposing that's the need of this child. He wants to engage her playfully and he doesn't know how to engage her playfully. So he pinches her. So how can we meet that need? Basically by giving him the way to engage with her playfully. Oh, pinching doesn't sound, doesn't feel okay. Pinching doesn't feel okay. If you want to play with mommy and call mommy's attention, maybe you can pull my shirt a little bit and I, I could look at you. Or if you're needing to do something with your hands, Let's do some Play-Doh right now. Or let me get kinetic sand and you can play with it for a little bit instead of pinching me. So that's the need for fun. The need for fun is usually manifested through uh, physical experiences, meaning if the child has the need to release physical energy in some kind of way, they may become aggressive, they may become hyper, and that could be the need for fun. And so it's just a way of seeing what the need is and helping them meet that need instead of punishing them, lecturing them, yelling at them, telling them that they're so rude and disrespectful. Our children are not trying to be rude. They're not trying to be disrespectful. They're trying their best with the only resources that they have to communicate their needs to us. Marcela, 
I need to understand or to go through the five needs all over. What do I do? Go to our show notes. All you have to do is go to hicparenting.com and you can go through our show notes. Uh, we'll explain the needs over there as well. Remember, if you need to apply for parenting coaching to get your personalized, customized experience of getting help, directly helped by one of our professional coaches, go to apply.hacparenting.com, open the description of this podcast episode. If you're watching us from YouTube, you can open the description and it's there as well, apply for HIC. At the end, we will show you a place for you to book a complimentary, yes, a free call with one of our admissions advisors where you get to ask them more questions about our coaching program. And if it is a yes, you will enroll on the call. And if it is a no, no worries, not, no hard feelings. You can move on with your life. Okay, so if you are watching us from YouTube, what did you learn today about your child's needs? related to their behaviors. Remember to follow us at Heimfeld Club. We are on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and remember that it only takes understanding to break your cycle. I'll see you next time.